from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. There is a radio DJ and book author named Brant Hansen. That's him. Looks kind of like John Stamos, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, he also happens to be a Christian. Well, he used to work part-time as a substitute baseball announcer for uh, some minor league baseball games and some spring training major league games. Uh, so like when the regular announcer wasn't able to be there, they would almost like a substitute teacher at school, they would call Brent Hansen in to sub in. And uh, the, the main guy he would fill in for was this uh, guy named John. John was a well-known, respected play-by-play announcer in baseball. He was also like just a super classy guy, very professional, polished, polite, uh, just just classy, straight-laced, didn't drink, didn't curse, just really good guy. Uh, John, also, this guy happens to be a follower of Jesus as well. Well, seated next to John at every game that he announces is a guy who is the polar opposite. When Brant tells the story, he changes his name, calls this guy Bill. Uh, Bill is a former professional baseball player uh, whose life has taken some twists and turns, mostly for the worst. And he is loud. He is boisterous. He is foul. He drinks all the time. He's always kind of drunk. You know, there are people, maybe you, you know some, who use crude kind of pornographic language and make comments about people and women and whatever. Then there's people who take it to a whole other level. That's this guy, like whole other level. Uh, very difficult to be around, to tolerate. Well, Brant, John Samos guy, gets called in a few times to take John's spot and work with Bill. Brant knows John, they're friends, and so he starts hanging around with Bill, and he begins to wonder, how in the world does John, straight-laced, kind of goody-two-shoes, Christian John, hang out with Bill night after night? So eventually, Bill, loud, foul Bill, learned that substitute Brant was friends with straight-laced John, and he said, oh, you know John. You know John. Well, I've got something to say about that guy. That guy, John, is... And I'll tell you what he said here in a little bit. Uh, But today, we are starting a brand new series called No Offense. Uh, You may be someone who is angry and you justify it. Uh, You don't see any problem with being angry. Or you might be someone who is angry and hates it. Like, you, you, you don't want to be angry. You know the damage it causes. You just don't know how to stop. Well, in this four-week series, uh, if you have no problem with your anger, I'm going to ask you to consider letting God show you that you're wrong. If you do have a problem with your anger, I really hope and think this series will help. Uh, you, you might be asking, why this series? Of all the things we can talk about, why are we talking about this Man, I think it's needed in in our culture. Uh, The Guardian newspaper announced that we are living in the age of rage. There's an article in Psychology Today said, is our society getting increasingly angry? Uh, Washington Post headline said, Americans are living in a big anger incubator. 
uh, the Harvard Gazette uh, offered soothing advice for mad America. Did you hear the story? I heard it uh, last week in the news. I think it just happened. Um, I heard it on the radio. I was driving, the news thing came on. Um, true story. This guy in prison, uh, night by night, dug a hole through his, the wall of his prison cell. Like Shawshank Redemption, if you've seen it. Started out small and it kept getting bigger and he hid it from the prison guards. Um, was he digging a hole to get through and out to his freedom? No. He was digging a hole through to the next prison cell so that he could kill his neighbor while he slept. And he did it. He got all the way through and killed his neighbor. People are angry. You might feel like you are in a prison of anger. You might want to kill your neighbor, uh, maybe, because people are angry today. Uh, the question we're going to ask in the series is, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and, and you might not be. One of the cool things about our church is we get lots of people who are like, I'm here investigating Jesus, spirituality, Christianity, but I'm not sure. If that's you, man, it's so cool you're here. But, but what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in an age of outrage? Uh, that guy I mentioned, Brant Hansen, uh, John Stamos guy, uh, he, he uh, wrote a book called Unoffendable unoffendable. Uh, the book was kind of an inspiration, a resource for our series. Um, the, the idea of the book is that you can live an unoffendable life, and that if you are a follower of Jesus, you should live an unoffendable life. Well, I kind of found that offensive because I'm thinking, wait a second, I, I think I got the right to be offended. I mean, there are some crazy people out there, and they do some crazy things, and some of them are so opinionated, and some of them are just so stupid, and, and, and some of them say wrong things and do wrong things. Some of them wrong me, and you're telling me to be unoffendable? Are, are you sure about that? And it is a great question. And so in our series, we're going to go to our true source, which is the Word of God, the Bible, and we're going to see what God has to say about anger and offense. And uh, we're going to start today just with the basic question, is it a sin to be angry? Is it a sin to be angry? Answer, no. Well, maybe this is a better answer. Sometimes, uh, uh, how about this answer? Most of the time, and, and I think we could say this maybe, uh, we could say anger is not always inherently sinful. It's just about always inherently stupid. And, and you'll know what I mean in these next minutes. Now, uh, there are a lot of Christians, some of you may be aware of this, some of you may not, but there are a lot of Christians who want to be angry who enjoy being angry, and who think that they are supposed to be angry. And for um, these Christians who say, no, 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 we're supposed to be angry. We can be angry. Uh, there's one verse that they always point to. If you start talking to somebody like this, and you say, I don't think we should be angry, they'll say, huh, and they'll always point to the same verse. So let's look at that verse. It's in a Bible book called Ephesians. It's in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 25 and 26. Um, this is the verse they use to prove that anger is not a sin. Uh, they would, it says, in your anger, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. 
do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And so the argument goes, you see, that's in the Bible right there, right? Um, the, 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 the apostle Paul wrote that. He was one of the early, like, important people in, in Christianity. God inspired him uh, to, to write. He wrote, like, most of the New Testament, and he wrote that. And he says right there, he doesn't say it's, it's sin to be angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Therefore, anger is not a sin. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so, so maybe, maybe we can say that anger is not a sin. But what can we learn from these verses? Uh, well, first... Anger may not be sin, but it can easily lead to sin, right? In fact, I think that's why Paul wrote that verse, right? It's because he's saying, hey, it's so easy to sin in your anger. You get angry, and then you find yourself saying something unloving or doing something unloving, and unloving is the essence of sin. Second thing we learn, uh, anger may not be sin, but only if it has a very short shelf life. Paul says, hey, don't let anger spend the night at your house, right? He, he said, uh, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So if you are angry and you seem to be angry a lot, you seem to maybe, maybe you stay angry. If your anger now has its own toothbrush at your house, right? It spends the night so often, it's like, I'm just going to have my own toothbrush here. Well, then that would certainly seem to be a problem. In fact, it, it would seem to show that your anger is not godly, because we are told in the Bible about God's anger that it lasts only a moment, okay? Third thing we learn in this passage we looked at is anger may not be sin, but it opens the door to Satan in our lives. Man, that, that is one door I don't want to open, um, but that's what Paul wrote, right? He said, do not be angry and give the devil a foot hold. Um, that, Paul wrote that in Greek originally. The Greek word that he wrote, foothold, is the word topos, T-O-P-O-S. And um, topos actually refers to physical space. It's like a room. Like in your house, you could say in Greek that we've got, you know, six or eight toposes. Um, it's, it's a room. And, and so it's saying, hey, when you're angry, what you're doing is you're giving the devil a space in your life. You're, you're giving the devil a room to live in your heart. And from that place you've given him in your life, man, he can work through the rest of your life. I don't ever want to give access to uh, the devil to my marriage, my parenting, my friends, my ministry, my finances, but if I live in anger, that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm giving him access in my life. It's probably what a lot of us have been doing, a lot. I mean, we, we just may not think of it that way. You, in fact, you might be having trouble processing this idea. We don't, we don't think about Satan much. We don't talk about Satan much. So the idea that, so when I'm angry, I give him a, a room in my, in my life. And so, so how about this? I'll, just, I'll ask, same, same idea, same question, but I'll just ask it in a different way, okay? Um, is your anger working for you? If you find yourself getting angry from time to time, maybe a lot, is your anger working for you? Like, is your anger making you more and more like Jesus? Is it helping you get closer to God? 
Jesus said um, this. He said, my command, he's like, here's what I want for you. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Does your anger make you more loving? Does your anger make you fun to be around? God, I love, I love being around. He gets angry a lot. It's, it's great. No. Uh, is, is it having a positive impact on your, if you're married, on your spouse? If, you're, if you have kids, on your children? on your coworkers. Um, how about this? Um, do, does your anger help others see the joy that you have found in Christ? Does it, does it uh, draw people in your life to Jesus? I am guessing that the answer to all those questions was no, right? No, uh, because there is no win with anger. There's no win with anger. But, but in case you're like, well, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still kind of on anger side. I, I, don't, I don't know about this. Uh, maybe you're still kind of denying the, the, the negative uh, impact that anger can have. Let's look at one more verse. We're going to look at dozens more in the series. Um, but in um, James, and we'll look at this again in a couple weeks. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 20 says, Anger, your anger, does not produce the righteousness God desires. Anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. What's that saying? Saying anger is not part of the life that God has for you. Like God has, is working on a project in your life, and it's to, to mold you and shape you and grow you into the life that he has for you, and anger is no part of that life. Anger is not part of the right life that God has for you. And I, and I think I, I just feel like I need to be uh, clear and tell you that I am preaching to myself in this series. I am a fellow struggler. I am not like, I'm above being angry and I'm looking down on you who are. I struggle with this too. In fact, it was, it's ironic. I was going to say funny, but it's not funny. In the middle of working on this teaching, my wife and I went on a date to a restaurant that we heard has the best bagels in Las Vegas. Uh, we had several, multiple people tell us, this restaurant has the best bagels in Las Vegas. Um, I, I will pause here and tell you that I love bagels. I consider myself kind of a, a bagel snob. I'm a bagel connoisseur. Um, in fact, I'm going to share with you the most offensive thing I have ever heard in the history of our church. Um, our church has been here for like 13 years now. The, the most offensive thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to tell you who said it, um, Nathan Nitzel, but, um, <laughs> but uh, this person, I forget his name, um, we, I was in this guy's little group, like four or five of us, and we were talking, and somehow bagels got brought up, and I was like, oh, I love bagels. And, and this person, whatever his name is, um, he said, aren't all bagels the same? I, I have a question. This, this is a totally safe place, right? It's a totally safe place. Is, would anyone say, I kind of think that, aren't all bagels the same? Would you raise your hand if you think, you can be honest here, Aren't all bagels, what's going on over here? Do you think all bagels are the same, Val? Yeah, she does. Come here, Val, would you come up here for a second? Come here, come here. Um, you can come over, yeah, you, 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 okay, you can go that way. So in the first service, Nathan was actually in the service, and so I got to bring him up, and um, I think that what Nathan thought I was bringing up 
for was to uh, apologize to him because I've held on to this anger about this all these years. But the real reason I brought Nathan up was to make him apologize to me. So, Val, you didn't say that, but I saw, I saw your husband elbowing you. Here, why don't you stand here for everybody to see you. Um, and so I have brought you up as somebody who thinks all bagels are the same to shame you publicly. So here's how we're going to do this, Val. Um, you might have noticed on your way through this. Are all bagels the same? So Val, what I've got, I've got a, uh, a palate cleanser for you. I barely have drunk out of it. I haven't drunk it at all. But here's what I want you to do. I'm just going to have you taste three of these bagels, okay? Just take a little bite, and I want you to, to take mental notes of the bagel, okay? You, we're, we're good. You can look at you daintily eating your bagel, okay? So the, the crust, the chew, the flavor, okay? You got it? Okay, now take a drink when you're ready. Yep. And then we're going to have you taste the second bagel. And you're going to report to everybody whether all bagels are the same. I'm just going to have you do three, not all of them. Okay, bagel number two. Yeah, you couldn't even rip it off like you could that one, right? If they were the same, you probably could have just ripped it off. Probably. <laughs> same? I mean, it was probably cooked different. <laughs> Does it taste different? Okay, palate cleanser, palate cleanser. It was probably cooked different. You couldn't even rip it off, all right? Third bagel. You, that's joy, right? That, that's really good. You can take that one with you. But first, would you look at, at all these people and tell them, are all bagels the same? No. No, okay. Get out of here. Thank you. Let's thank Val for helping us out. All right, all bagels are not the same. So that third bagel was from Bagel Mania. Uh, before I moved to Las Vegas, this is how weird I am, I literally did research online before we moved here in 2009 to find out where are the best bagels in Las Vegas. We got here and I went and found, I tried a couple other ones, but I'm like, nope, what I discovered, my research was right, the best bagel, bagels are at Bagel Mania. However, uh, in the last few months, my wife and I have both heard, no, 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 the best bagels in Las Vegas are at this one restaurant. They're the best bagel. And I, and I was excited. Like, if there's better, I want better. I love bagels. And so we went to this restaurant, and we sit down, and um, we get our menus, and we're looking at our menus, and the waitress comes up, and she says, hey, are you guys ready to order? And my wife says, I think I just need, like, one second. And she's like, no problem. And she walks away, and, like, seconds later, we're good. We put our menus down, and... Five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. And the waitress like, is like walking around serving other people. And we keep thinking, well, surely she's gonna come up to our table and say, oh, you guys ready to order now? But she doesn't, she just keeps going around. And, I, and I'm like, this is weird. And then five more minutes go by, it's been 15 minutes. Five more minutes go by, it's been 20 minutes. And I am getting angry as I'm working on my series about how we shouldn't be angry. And, um, and I'm, like, I'm like, what is going on? Does she think we don't exist? Is there something wrong with us? Like, what is she doing? And then she disappears for five minutes. And I'm like, did she go on a break? Did she quit? What is going on here? And I'm getting more and more angry. And then five more minutes go by. It's been over 30 minutes since my wife said, can we just have one second? And, um, and so fine. And I keep, she keeps all and I keep going, hey, but she just keeps walking, and she walk, hey, and she just keeps walking. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And so finally, I'm like, Excuse hey, hey, hey. And she looked at me, and she, I said, we're ready. We're very, very ready to order now. And she looked at me like, huh? And she, 
she did this, and she starts looking through all of her, her orders, and she's looking at us, and she's looking through her orders, and her eyes get really big, and she went, oh, sure, I can take your order. And we realized she thought she had already taken our order. And the reason she wasn't coming to take our order is in her mind she got confused, thought she had already taken our order. When I said, we're ready to take your order, she was like, I already have your order, and realized I had never took their order. Um, so she made what we would call a, a mistake, right? Um, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. You're not going to believe this. I've made some mistakes in my life too. You're like, uh-uh. Yeah, even, even me. I've made mistakes. When somebody, when I make a mistake, is my hope that people will get angry at me about it? No, I hope people will be like, oh, you made an honest mistake, right? But for whatever, for whatever reason, I felt justified in being angry at her for an honest mistake. By the way, not the best bagels in Las Vegas, not even close, and that made me angry. <laughs> Is it a sin to be angry? Um, so, uh, if you've been around church and Bible and Christians for a while, you know, yep, that's the verse you go. Ephesians, eh, Ephesians 4, 25, right there it says, in your anger, do not sin. Doesn't say don't, so anger is sin. Um, here's what's ironic, okay? If you're ever talking to somebody, say, it says right there. You say to them, read five more sentences. Would you be willing to just read five more sentences, okay? Because what they're reading is Ephesians 4.25. But if you read five more sentences, here's what it says. Um, Same passage, same author, same Bible, right? It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and let's read it together. Anger brawling and slander along with every form of mouse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of all your anger, okay? Same guy wrote that five sentences later. Um, and you, you know it's all, right? I, and I say that because if I wrote it, if God said, Vince, I want you to write the Bible, I'd be like, okay. And, and I would say, Get rid of all anger except the acceptable kinds of anger. And then I would put a bulleted list right there in the Bible of the kinds of anger that are okay. Um, The list would include, uh, you can get angry at someone who's talking on their phone in the movie theater, uh, people who park in two spaces in the grocery store parking lots, uh, people who use all caps in text. Why do you have to do your text in all caps? I don't know. Um, anyone and everyone who ever replies to all in an email when you only have to reply to one and I have to keep reading everyone's responses to each other, that's okay. The anger, that's fine. Um, uh, the person in your family who doesn't replace the toilet paper when the roll is empty, why? You can be angry at that. Um, people who bring smelly food on an airplane and then like hog the whole armrest, those are acceptable forms of anger. Get rid of all the other kinds, all, all the other ones. But no, Paul, who was inspired by God, wasn't just out in his own writing this. God inspired him to write, get rid of all anger. So what do you do if someone makes you angry, though? And, and we're going to talk about this for the next three weeks. I had a person who said, well, what about this situation? Keep coming back. Um, what do you do if someone does say something or do something that makes you mad, that offends you? It's the next verse. 
Read one more sentence. Let's just keep reading. Um, so after saying, get rid of all anger, he says, Here, here's what we do. Verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So, so basically what Paul's saying is, hey, listen, you're human. We're all human, right? And so you're going to have times where you get offended. You're going to have times where, you, where, you're, where your instant knee-jerk reaction is to be angry. You have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of it. Get rid of all your anger. Do not let it linger until bedtime. Don't sleep on it. Your anger, anger is not for you. It's not for you. So, so what you do when you feel anger is take it to God, and, and then with his help, uh, replace your anger, he says, with forgiveness. And he says, just as God forgave you in Christ. And so he's saying, you, you can live unoffendable. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you should. That uh, John Stamos-looking guy, Brant Hansen, he talks about the first time he ever heard the idea that Christians should live unoffendable lives. Never, never be offended. Um, and it confused him. Somebody said it in a meeting, and he was like, what? And it, it, made, him, it made him a little mad. And so he writes, I did what any rational, fair-minded, spiritually mature person would do. I scoured the Bible for verses I could pull out to destroy his argument, logically pummel him into submission, and you know, when problem, I now think he's right. Not only can we choose to be unoffendable, we should choose that. We should forfeit our right to be offended. That means forfeiting our right to hold on to anger. I used to think it was incumbent upon a Christian to take offense. I now think we should be the most refreshingly unoffendable people on a planet that seems to spin on an axis of offense. Forfeiting our right to anger makes us deny ourselves and makes us others-centered. When we start living this way, it changes everything. And he's right. And, uh, and if you choose, maybe you could do this this week. You go home and scour the Bible and say, what does it say about anger and offense? And you're going to find a ton of verses about um, not getting angry and living unoffendable. I'll share three more. I already shared around three or four. We'll look at more in the series. But Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Remember I said it's inherent. It may not be inherently sinful. It's inherently stupid. It's kind of what that verse is saying. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Proverbs 12, 16 says, fools show their annoyance at once. The prudent overlook an insult. Uh, with God's help, we can become unoffendable. And so in this series, uh, I actually want to offer you an invitation uh, to do just that. I want to invite you to choose, with God's help, to live an unoffendable life. 
to live a life above anger. Let me tell you the, the rest of the, the story I started with. So you remember uh, John was this play-by-play announcer for baseball team, straight-laced Christian, never curses, never drinks, right? Always polite, uh, all, all about respect for others. And he announced games with Bill, this um, color commentator announcer who was a four-player and was just obscene and made comments about mean comments, pornographic kind of comments about everybody. Uh, and then Brant would come in and fill in for John. Bill finds out that Brant knows John, who he has to work with every day. And he says, wait, you know John? You know John? Well, I got something to say about that guy. That guy, John? Well, a couple weeks ago. Do you want to know what he did? He brought in a plaque that he had made for me. It, w- it was a magazine cover from some years ago with me and my teammates, and he made this plaque to honor me. And this tough, jerky Bill starts tearing up, and he says, you know what? <laughs> that guy is so good to me. He, he says, he, he, he just, he treats everyone the same here. I mean, everyone's the same to him. The interns, the, the, the stadium manager, me, everybody. He just, he treats all of us with love. I still can't believe he made that plaque for me. Isn't that great? John refused to be offended. Instead of just asking Bill, please, could you not curse? Instead of saying, um, hey, when you use God's name, instead of giving him a little lesson on how your comments are very offensive, John just refused to be offended. He thought that his job was not to be right, but to be loving. What if you thought your job was not to be right, but to be loving? What if you chose to live above anger? If you became unoffendable? How would it change your life? If instead of being mad and at odds with people, you just had peace with people. If you were just calm and gracious instead of angry and offended, how might your life change? And what if we did? Like, what if we as a spiritual family chose to be kind and compassionate and forgiving instead of offended and angry? Well, man, we would be more than a spiritual family. We would become a spiritual force. Like, we would show people in Las Vegas and beyond uh, what Jesus is really like. And how cool would that be? How much fun would that be? How much purpose would that infuse into your life if you walked out of here and just started every day thinking, man, I represent Jesus. I want to show people Jesus by the way I live. Every opportunity you have to, to get angry or mad or, or offended, you're like, no, that's, a, that's not me because I've got a bigger purpose than that. I show people the, the love of God. Now let's do that. And, and if you're thinking, man, that sounds good, I just don't think I can. I don't know how come back for the next three weeks. We're, we're going to dig in and we're going to see what God has to say and learn how to do this. Um, right now, we're going to give you just a couple minutes individually on your own to give God access 
to our hearts and a space to work in our lives. We, we, we learned earlier that when you're angry, um, the Bible says literally that you are giving, you're giving over Satan a place to work on you from inside your life. Let's right now take a couple minutes to ask God to do that. Let's say, God, I want to give you a space in me to work on me from inside of my life. And so we're going to give you a couple minutes. You can pray. Um, you might ask God during this time to show you your heart, maybe to ask God, what are, what are the things that I get mad about? What damage is my anger doing um, to my soul, to other people, uh, to the example I'm supposed to set of what Jesus is like? During this time, we also have communion available if you'd like to, to take it. You know, that, that verse we looked at, Ephesians 4.32, um, said that we forgive others because in Christ, God forgave us. That's the basis for all of this. Uh, it's We wronged God, we sinned against God, and he chose, instead of being angry at our sin, to forgive our sin in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so we say, well, if God treated us that way, I want to treat other people in the same way. And, um, and that's what we remember in communion. Communion is a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represent Jesus' body and blood given on the cross. And you will find communion on the tables in the back of the room. And if you'd like to take it, you can get it, bring it to your seat. And when you're ready um, in your own time, you can uh, eat and drink that to thank Jesus for what he did for you on the cross. Okay. And if you're like, dude, I'm not there yet. Um, no problem. You can just kind of sit back and use this time to think about your life and your anger and listen to the song that the band's going to sing. Okay. Let me pray for you. Um, God, this is uh, convicting for me because I struggle with this. And um, it's part of the reason I think I want to do this series. Um, God, my guess is probably a lot of us struggle with this. And in different ways, we find different things that make us angry. It might be every time we get on social media, there's things that just... Uh, um, might be people at work, our boss, our kids, our neighbor, people on the highway. God, would you, would you show us our hearts and maybe show us the damage that we're doing to our hearts, our souls, to other people in our anger? God, we invite you um, into our lives, and we want to give you a place in the, in the middle of us, in the center of our hearts, to work from and to transform us from the inside out, to help us live unoffendable lives, to live above anger, so that we can show people Jesus in us, so we experience Jesus in us. God, thank you that in Jesus, uh, when we had sinned against you and done things that should have made you angry and you should have stayed angry, you sent Jesus who searched for us and found us and died for us so that we could be forgiven. Thank you, God. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.